before I throw the first hammer in any project, I make sure that I have every line item accounted for because that's how I stay on budget. I already know what I can and can't do. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam A. Adams, and I'm very excited about who we have on the show today because we don't talk enough about fix and flippers because... I did some fix and flips and I quit doing fix and flips. I didn't have the stamina that our guest here on the show has. She has done 60 fix and flips. That's not 16. That's a big old six and a big old zero. 60 fix and flips. She's done those in Denver, Commerce City, Thornton, Longmont, and other cities around Denver Metro. And she is a designer. She's very organized and she's going to teach us a little bit about communication And these are the things that has made her business successful. So with that said, welcome to the show, Heather Loyal. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. And like I said, I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. I understand you've been doing fix and flip for six years. You've learned quite a bit. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we go all the way back to six and a half years ago and talk about why you decided to get into real estate investing in the first place? I was working a corporate job. I was a designer for a commercial company and I had seen, you know, through the years, all these things that people were doing on TV and I told myself, I can do that. So had the conversation with my husband and we decided to take the plunge and here we are six years later. That's awesome. Okay. So just tell me about the very first deal because we can learn a lot just on the first deal. So what was that? The first fix and flip deal was probably one of my favorites. It was in Denver. It was an estate and I learned a lot. I basically, we ran out and hired a GC because we thought that's what we needed to do. And I didn't have a whole lot of interaction with the GC during the project, which I thought was weird. And I felt like I was there more than he was. I got to learn how the contractors worked because I came from commercial and this is my first time in in residential. So I got to know them. I got to talking to them and learning the things that I did. They were explaining, you know, we could do that. And it's like, okay, maybe I can figure out how to call you on the next one to get you to do it. So made some mistakes, learned some things, spent a lot of money, (laughs) but we also made a lot of money. It was a real good deal. That's awesome. So do you remember the numbers on that? The budget was 60 because everything came through the GC. We were pretty well on budget except for some, you know, miscellaneous things I threw in at the last minute. But the profit on that was over 100000 Wow, that's incredible. That was your first deal? That was our first fix and flip, yes. Okay, so you had rentals before that? No, we had a couple of wholesale deals before that. So that helped put some cash in the bank. Do you still do a little bit of wholesaling, even though you've done like 60 fix and flips? Absolutely. We're always sprinkling in some wholesale deals. Who do you wholesale to? Like who are those buyers? Our list is mainly just people we've met through the years. Nothing big. That's kind of what our focus is this year is to expand our wholesale network. But we've mainly dealt with a couple dozen people throughout the years that we know are tried and true 
they won't jerk us around and we know we'll get our wholesale deal closed. I love that. So we are going to talk about something that we've never talked about on the show. We're going to learn some things. We've done well over 200 episodes. And for some reason, we've never talked about like how essential it is to be detail-oriented with your contractors and with your whole fix and flip, right? And I really yeah. want to get into communication because that's where a lot of people fail. And I have four questions that I want to ask you a little bit about communication. The first one, just really ask how important is communication? Is that actually important? I think it's key, especially if you're running your own projects. I think it's the second most important. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, first, what is the most important thing? And then we'll get back to what we're talking about. What's the most important thing before communication? Mine is budget. Staying okay. on budget. Got it. All right. So when you are going to have a great communication with your contractor, so what does the upfront conversation look like? We'll meet at the job site and do our walkthrough. I will already have my scope of work done and I will already know what I want that specific contractor to accomplish. So we will walk the property. We will talk about it. I will point blank ask, are you comfortable doing this? If not, I have other people I can call and maybe I'll just have you do these other five things, whatever. So we'll have that conversation and then at the end, we will talk about how important it is for me and my project. That contractor answers my phone calls, responds to my text messages. I will even ask them, do you communicate better in text messages or phone calls? Because I've had contractors that don't like to text message. So I make sure that I'm calling them and I tell them, if I can't communicate with you during the project, then I'll have to move on. I love it. Okay. Here's one thing that we were talking about in the pre-interview today is you said something that really stuck out to me. It reminds me of a book that I read called um, Never Split the Difference. And in that, Chris Voss, who's coming on the podcast, he'll be a, one of our guests. He said that one of the best ways that you can really dive in and get someone to actually respond when they're kind of going dark on you is sending them a one-liner email that says, have you given up on this project? Nothing else around it, no explanation. He says that gets an instantaneous, no, 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 no. So I want to talk about your one-liner that you text message to your contractors. So why don't you take it from there? What is that one-liner and how has it worked for you? I text them, are you mad at me? And I will get a response, no, I'm sorry, I've been busy, or what's up? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to get their attention. Yeah, so has it ever not worked? Because Chris Foss says that email that he did, he's used it on thousands of people and it works every single time. Are you mad at me ever not worked? Yes. My okay. couple of projects ago, my longtime hardwood floor guy has not still responded to me. <laughs> okay. But potentially, he's no longer working in Denver. So, so he might not even have that same yeah. text message. Okay, cool. Right. All right. So the next question that I really wanted to ask you is, has there ever been a time that you actually failed to communicate? Heather Loyal, the communication expert, has made a mistake and failed to communicate? And if so, how did that turn out? Of course. We're all human. Things happen. I get busy. 
you know, life happens. But one that comes to mind is I had a handyman working on one of my projects and I thought everything was copacetic and understood and I didn't think I needed to get into this much detail, but he was installing my kitchen cabinets and I walk in the day after and they were like 30 inch high cabinets, you know, they weren't full height cabinets. We're all the way up at the ceiling. I mean, there was a gap of at least, I don't know, almost three feet between the counter and the, the first cabinet. And I was like, I'm a short person. I'm only 5'4". So I'm like, I can't even reach to get up there. Like, why would you put the cabinets up there? And he's like, you didn't tell me where to hang them. And I was like, okay, my bad. <laughs> From now on, I will make sure we have a pre-install meeting to make sure that you're on the same page. I fail so. to find out how that is your lack of communication. But well, you never know. I mean, it's just it's shocking. Yeah, no, no. If, if I had vaulted ceilings, I would throw the cabinets at the very top. <laughs> so anybody who wanted to get a can of food had to use yeah. a ladder as well. Ladder. That's exactly. obvious. Exactly. All right, perfect. Thank you for going into that. So let's talk about being detail-oriented. You said that there's two things that you really need to be detail-oriented about. And that was budget and schedule. So if you could talk a little bit about those two things and how being detail-oriented helps you to be able to make sure that the project goes smoothly. Yeah. So the first thing I do once we get a project, actually my partner tells me my budget because he's done all the financial side of it. And so then I know what needs to be done on the project. So I will go through a detailed spreadsheet that I have on the budget and mainly I try and get all my materials out of the way and a lot of my contractors I already know their pricing so I could stick that in I can um, do the math on a bunch of stuff and get that in and then I'll go start then calling the contractors I don't have information on so with that before I throw the first hammer in any project I make sure that I have every line item accounted for because that's how I stay on budget. I already know what I can and can't do. So if a contractor comes back and needs to renegotiate or we open a wall and find something different than we thought was there, I'm kind of already prepared for that. Awesome. That was huge value. Thank you for going into that. How about being detail-oriented about your schedule? So my schedule, again, I have a list of how a project systematically has to happen. You know, you start with the trash out, you go to the demo, so on and so forth. Certain things need to happen before other things happen. So with that, I can then schedule my contractors to be there on the right days so that I can get in and out of our projects anywhere from four to six weeks. Whoa, and that's with, awesome. Without being orient detailed or having that schedule in place, it would just be chaos, you know, and especially with the schedule, you got to know your lead times on your products. Okay. So how many fix and flips have you done and managed simultaneously? The most I have done is three at a time. Mainly uh, one was finishing up, one was getting started, and then the other one was in the design phase, what I call the design phase. Cool. And then they so, kind of overlap and one goes on the market and then the other one's full swing and then the other one gets up and running. When they're overlapping like that, are you able to move the contractors from 
to kind of like you finish up the painting here, then you're going to my second house, then you're going to my third house? Yeah, it depends on which contractors. Some of them, you know, my like electrician is easy to move around. My plumber is easy to move around. My painters are easy to move around. But my general guy, my number one guy that does a majority of the work, usually I have one for different projects. Okay, got it. I had another question for you. I wish that I could remember it right now. I didn't write it down because I was really interested in what you were saying, but it was important. Darn it. So we're going to move <laughs> into the final five. If I remember that other question, I'll shoot it over. First, a word from our sponsor. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. All right, we're back. Ms. Heather, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? Most creative deal would probably be a townhome down in Littleton where the seller brought money to the table. Whoa, seller paid you. They're like, hey, would you like to buy my house? Here's some money. Yeah. So, and this was a house that my partner didn't even see. And normally he goes to see everything. Hmm. He sent me down to do a walkthrough. I came back to him with my list of, I believe these are the things that we need to address. And he took that information, went back to the seller who was an out of state owner. And the guy needed to get rid of the property so bad, he brought money to the table. How much did you make to buy that? How much money did you walk away at closing the day you actually purchased this property? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have that number. I know he brought about $32,000 to the table. That is crazy. I love that. Thank yeah. you for sharing. So, hey, there's no money down deals and uh, people think that those are not real. Heather Loyal actually got paid to buy a house. So, this is <laughs> incredible. Love it. What's a book you recommend? Oh, I'm reading one right now. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a mindset book. It's called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandito. Uh, you know, in junior high, I was in the band. So, you know, this is something I don't think my listeners know yet. But I was in a band. I, I played tuba. It was bigger than me. So that's why I thought I needed to play <laughs> that one because I thought it would make me look cool. It's that truck syndrome that some people have. I thought this giant <laughs> instrument would make me look like an awesome guy. So I said, you know what? That's the one I'm going to play. And in the band, we did a quote every single morning. And mm -hmm. I remember we did one or two from Ogmandino. And yeah. so I haven't read any of his books. Tell me more about that book that you were reading and why you picked that one. Um, it was kind of recommended to me. So I picked it up. It's a story. But towards the end, basically, there's these scrolls that he goes through to give himself a better mindset to be a better salesman, you know, like just being persistent, being loving, believing in yourself, thinking about who were you before you passed away, those kinds of things. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about, I know you got started in this business, you were wholesaling and everything and you did your first fix for like six years ago. But this question within the final five talks about five years ago. So if you could really give me, paint us the picture and tell me exactly like what did it look like a year into your business? I was still stumbling through a lot of learning blocks, but I think I will for 
ever more because this business is constantly changing. Projects are always different. That's kind of when I started learning how to manage multiple projects at the same time and building my list of vendors and contractors and testing things out and, you know, scrapping some ways I did things and rewriting how I do them for the next one. So that was a big learning year for me. Thanks for sharing. Let's talk about in five years, your vision. I know you have a good mindset because you are a designer. So you, you can walk into a house and you can say, this is exactly what we need to do. So I'm sure you've designed your future the same way. What does it look like five years from today? I think in five years, I will be have moved on from Colorado and back to the ocean somewhere. Okay. So that's why on Facebook, your, your profile is all about the ocean. Yeah. That's your vision board. Every time you log on to Facebook, you're like, that's where I'm going to be. Okay. <laughs> all right. How do you give back? I give back by being a helper. Whenever people need stuff, I'm usually the first one to raise my hand and say, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll get that done. Or I love talking to people about what I do. And if they're starting out in the business, you know, here's how I get it done. And if you need any help along the way, give me a call. So I give back by helping. I love that. All right. So that's one great way to reach you. But if somebody was like learning from you and wanted to know, oh, that's a question that I had earlier, the scope of work. It's Mm -hmm. like, what's on the scope of work? But it sounds like yours is very detail oriented. But at any rate, if somebody wanted to get your scope of work or wanted to learn the process of what you do first, second, third, so that you can have a four week or six week project or anything else, what's the very best way for them to find you? Is it New Cloverleaf on your Facebook or is uh, there another way? Yeah, they can reach me on Facebook or Instagram. Both okay. are new. Clo- well, the Instagram is at New Cloverleaf. Perfect. I got that in the show notes. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. 